On this week's episode of Cultivating Her Space, I believe one of our highest priorities should be about how we're educating ourselves and everyone within our communities in ways that reinforce love for ourselves and each other, collectivity over individualism, collectivity over capitalism, collectivity over patriarchy, like compassion and dignity over patriarchy, and all of patriarchy's tentacles of transphobia and homophobia, all those things, misogyny, all of those things that come from that. How are we actually practicing love with each other and for one another in ways that allows us to maintain our individual and collective dignity? Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or appreciate anything from this episode, please leave us a review to let us know we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit cultivatingherspace.com to access our exclusive after show and other bonus content from the Patreon tab. Welcome to Cultivating Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey, lady. It's Terry here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. I'm hosting a free podcasting masterclass where I'm going to teach you how to create your impactful podcast and how you can generate multiple streams of income. You can visit podcastwithterry.com to register for free. I hope to see you there. All right, lady, we have a very special guest in Cultivating Her Space. We are going to just go ahead and jump into her amazing bio and then jump into this juicy conversation. Charlene A. Carruthers, she, her, is a writer, filmmaker, and Black Studies PhD student at Northwestern University. A practitioner of telling more complete stories, her work interrogates historical conjunctures of Black freedom-making, post-emancipation, and decolonial revolution, Black governance, and Black feminist abolitionist geographies. She is the author of Unapologetic, a Black queer, and feminist mandate for radical movements. Now, lady, there is so much more that we could say about Charlene, but we're just going to jump right on in. So Charlene, welcome to Cultivating Her Space. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. We're excited to have you. Yes, we are definitely excited for this conversation. And so we are going to start with our quote of the day, which Charlene will sound really familiar to you because we, we've been doing our research and this quote comes from one of your Instagram posts. Oh, okay. and it was part of a much longer quote. Mm-hmm. But this quote says, May I do what I came here to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say that one more time for the people in the back in case you didn't hear it. May I do what I came here to do. <laughs> Charlene, when you hear your words being said back to you and you think about all that you do, 
what what comes up for you? May I do what I came here to do? Well, first of all, thanks for thank y'all for having me on today and for pulling that particular quote. Now I'm curious about like the the broader context for it. Like, what else did I say? Where did this come from? Because the way my brain works, uh, when I think about what I came here to do, and put that together with the speed at which my brain moves and how many things happen in my brain at any given time. It's like, what thing am I going to do that I came here to do at any given time? And what energy do I have to put towards it? Who do I need to collaborate with in order to like actually fulfill that particular part of my broader purpose? And, you know, what legacy is it a part of? That's what I think of. Because I don't think anything that I do is just magic, just magically exists because of me as an individual. Of course, like me as an individual, I pay, I pour a role in, in the work that I do, but I understand everything that I do to be a part of a much longer continuum of black, of the black radical tradition, of black feminism, of black queer and trans liberation and resistance and all that work. Like I abolitionist work, all of that work. I see my work like what I came here to do is a part of something that began before me and will continue after me. Beautifully stated. And what a power that gave me chills when you read that down. What a powerful quote, like so on purpose, right? So Charlene, we're going to dive more into the work that you do and what you came here to do, but can you tell us about your origin story? Like how did you become the Charlene Carruthers that we know today? Well, (laughs) I mean, I just turned 37 almost a month ago. And I would say that like my origin story is the story of my parents, of my grandmothers, of my great-grandmothers and the mothers of their mothers and so on and so forth. I'm always thinking in the sense of genealogy and not just like in a neat lineage line, like this happened and this happened and this happened, but a genealogy in the sense of how things are connected across time, through time, outside of even any base, any like strict construct of what we, many of us are told time is. And so my origin story has everything to do with the fact that both of my grandmothers migrated from Mississippi to Chicago. My origin story has everything to do with the fact that I was born and raised on the South side of Chicago. Like in so many ways, Chicago shaped who I am, made who I am. And at the same time, my travel around the country and my travel across the world really raised me in ways that Chicago didn't even raise me. Being, be it the solo traveling I did or solo traveling I've done or group traveling that I've done, political traveling that I've done, leisure travel that I've done um, across the world has really shaped me. I am who I am because of also the many people who have poured into me since I was a child. Like for some, you know, I think for good reasons, people saw something in me, including how talkative I was as a child, how many questions I had as a kid. And just my interest in always wanting to know more and learn more. And so ever since I was, as long as I can remember, I've been either in a leadership role and or in a leadership development kind of workshop, training, community where someone or a group of people were pouring into me to develop my own leadership. For me, it's it's all of those things that make me who I am. And then the last thing I would add about my origin is that 
from at least the third grade on, I was always in some sort of arts like practice, be it dance or singing or visual arts, drawing, painting, then later ceramics. And I literally just came from a quilting class right before our conversation. And so I've always been an artist. Well, I've always been an artist. And although I spent, you know, over 15 years with community organizing work, my latest work as a filmmaker really allows me to bring together my organizing experience and also my experience as an artist since I was a child. Now, lady, you know, this is a grown woman podcast, okay? And chances are, if you're an avid listener, you know we get a little blatchy over here. We get bougie, classy, and we get ratchet. So today's sponsor should not come as a surprise. Uber Lube is a luxurious, high-grade silicone lubricant made from clean, body-friendly ingredients. It's just silicone with a little bit of vitamin E. The vitamin E leaves a velvety finish that actually moisturizes the skin. Lube is the key to maximizing pleasure, whether alone or with a partner. And if you're going to lubricate, you want to make sure it's done with the highest quality body-safe ingredients and nothing beats Uber Lube. Y'all, I didn't test this out myself, and let me tell you, it's A1, okay? It's great for all kinds of play, vaginal, oral, or anal. There's no flavor or scent. It's latex compatible, so it's safe and effective to use with condoms. And Uber Lube even works underwater, making it great for fun in pools, hot tubs, the bathtub, all that good stuff, okay? Right now, Uber Lube is offering Cultivating Her Space listeners a special offer, 10% off and free shipping when you use our code herspace at uberlube.com. That's 10% off and free shipping. Just use code herspace at u-b-e-r-l-u-b-e.com. All right, let's dive back in. Wow. You know, we ask that origin, the origin story question in all of our interviews, right? Mm-hmm. And it's always so fascinating to hear everyone's responses. Mm -hmm. And I truly appreciate how you, in your origin story, you are acknowledging all of those who came before you, Mm -hmm. who contributed, whether they they were aware of it or not, that they Mm -hmm. contributed to who you are today. I think that is so beautiful and so powerful to to acknowledge that. And and then I think about how you shared of all of the many roles that you have, right? Mm -hmm. Community organizer, artist, author, filmmaker, and doctoral student. I, I've been a doctoral student. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And, and so when you think of all of the various roles that you have, what is the thread that ties all of them together? You mm-hmm. started to share a little bit about that. Can you give us a little bit more? Sure. So in my work, be it as a community organizer, as a writer, filmmaker, all of that work is about telling a more complete story about Black people's lives. And that in telling a more complete story about our lives, be it where I am in this particular moment, be it three, four hundred years ago, or be it even the people who do the work to talk about Black folks living in 
a future time, a future space. In doing that and telling more complete stories and thinking about who who who's a part of the dominant narrative, even the dominant narratives about black people and how and the dominant narratives about how black people live their lives, how we live our lives, who's missing in those stories and how can we strive in our work to tell more robust, bigger, deeper, fuller, wider stories about black folks lives. We can actually craft more complete solutions to the challenges, what some people consider dilemmas, issues and problems that Black folks experience across the world, across the world, we can get to more complete, more complete solutions. And so that's, that's the, that's what ties all of my work together is how can I add to the broader tapestry of how people understand what it means to be Black and alive or Black and existing at any point in the time-space continuum. Again, beautifully stated. You're a writer, so I feel like I'm going to probably say that after every answer you share. So just get ready for that. But no, it really was. I mean, very powerful. And when you think about the activism work that you do, I'm going to assume that it requires a great amount of deliberate and intentional energy, right? And so what are some of the self-care practices that you put in place to ensure that your work is sustainable and how do you avoid burnout? Mm-hmm. So for me, how I take care of myself and how I maintain, literally just maintain my sense of self and my, what's the word I want to use? Not just wellness, but feeling grounded, as grounded as possible in the world that we live in. It requires a whole bunch of stuff. Like There's not just one thing. It's therapy, physical movement doing things that I enjoy to do. Like, look, I'm going to talk about this quilting class probably 50 times tonight because it, it really means spending two and a half hours just focused on a creative task that is not for work. It's no one's paying me to do it. I'm not required to do it. It's simply a creative outlet that I get to do something with my brain, my heart, and with my hands. And so having a number of outlets that are outside of like the public gaze or anything like that is, is, is really helpful. And I already mentioned therapy and, you know, having strong, strong relationships with people, both romance, a romantic relationship and other platonic friendships, all of those things in, in family relationships, familial relationships, all, all those things matter. And then the other part is pacing myself and not feeling bad. And I'm still working on it. Not feeling bad when I have to say no to something because I said yes a lot for a number of years. And it is why I I don't do organizing on a day-to-day basis anymore. Actually, in many ways, my foray into the academy is is a break from that. It's like a transition from that sort of day-to-day work. Because I, I knew I wanted to be in a different field and do the work that I knew I what, do what I came here to do, and in another way, in another way. And so I, I think it's all of those things. And I'm by no means perfect, and I, I feel like it's a lifelong journey to figure out how to both take care of myself and allow other people to help help take care of me as well. I love that. We often hear people mention therapy, right? When they talk about self-care, but the fact that you mentioned, I love that you mentioned a romantic relationship 
platonic mm-hmm. relationships and also those outlets, the creative outlets outside of the public gaze, like something mm-hmm. just for you. That mm-hmm. is powerful. Okay, that's a word right there. Y'all better take some notes as you listen to this episode. All right. <laughs> so, Charlene, this has already been really insightful, inspiring, and we're going to dive more into that. But we want to shift up the energy a little bit, okay? Okay. And because we recognize, appreciate, and celebrate the multifaceted woman, and we believe that it's okay to be bougie and classy and ratchet, we believe that you can still be elegant and dance to strip club music if you so choose. <laughs> Darlene, we want to invite you to the OU Blatchet segment. So do you take on the challenge? Sure. We yeah, got her, Dom. We got her. She agreed. Let's go. <laughs> let's okay. do it. So now we're going to tell you what you've agreed to. So we're going to ask you, (laughs) we're going to ask you three questions. We're going to share three sentence completions. And then very close by, we have three photos pulled up of you from social media. We've been doing our research and that facial expression is exactly what we want to see. She's like, oh, shit. I mean, I started, I started filtering my social media a very long time ago. So really, okay, <laughs> Dang, okay. So we, we we didn't catch you. We didn't catch you. Catch you slipping. Okay, Damn, okay. it's all good. We we got it's three unlikely. Pictures. It's not impossible, but it's unlikely. <laughs> so what we're gonna do is we're gonna have you choose a number out of one and three, and we'll reveal that particular photo. And then you, we want you to t- tell us more context about the photo or something that we wouldn't know just by looking at the photo on social media. And so. We're going to go ahead and jump on into the first question. The first question is, what's the best piece of wisdom or advice you've ever received? That one's easy. It's from my dance coach in high school. She said a few things. She said, the captain always needs the most practice. Always needs the most practice because oftentimes the captain of the team is like helping other people rehearse and showing like bits and pieces and watching other people do all the moves and giving them feedback or giving them support, but not necessarily doing all the moves themselves, themselves every, themselves every time. The other piece was what you do in practice is going to show up on the floor on competition day. So practice is though it is the day, like it is the thing that you're going to do. And then number three is always be mindful who could be basically like in the toilet stall when you in the bathroom. You never know who's going to be there. You never know who could be listening. So be mindful of what you say. And so I literally, this woman said this to me almost 20 years ago to like almost 20 years over, like a little bit. Yeah, I guess I was like probably over 20 years ago. I must've been like 16, 17. Yeah. And I still remember it. Every single one of them. Every single one. And now she said it while throwing the keys. And, and Miss Brenda, she passed away. But she would say them while throwing keys on the floor. She was wild. This woman was wild, okay? She was, she was really wild. But those are three pieces of advice. Three pieces of advice that she gave us that stick with me to this day. Wow. Yeah. Those are... Shout out to Miss Brenda because those mm-hmm. are... Three important life mm-hmm. lessons, pieces of advice to carry with you. Mm-hmm. So now, I don't know, you know, Miss Miss Brenda may be watching over us. Yes. And <laughs> I don't know what she would say to this, but we want to know, Charlene, mm-hmm. twerk or two-step? Both. <laughs> Why do you have to choose? 
Yes, I love that. I love yeah, that. Both. That's what we love to hear. That's what we love to hear. And just kind of <laughs> keeping on with this Blatchet theme. Probably mm-hmm. our next question, our final question for you before we move on to sentence completions is what's the sexiest item you own? I'm thinking about what my fiance would say and then like what I would say because she would say something different. She thinks that damn moo is sexy. <laughs> I'm like, what do I think? Y'all, this is hard because I don't really. Hmm. Maybe my bed sheets. They are very nice, eucalyptus, very luxurious bed sheets, and they are very, very soft. And these are sheets that you want to get in. Like, you want to get in these sheets. Like, these are great. These are excellent sheets. <laughs> yes. Ooh. Yeah. We, we mm-hmm. might need to share the link to that because now, yes. now you got me. Now <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, I need to get. I you need sold to get us. Okay. Now, them, now people don't get know how much I sheet. People gonna know oh. how much I spend on sheets. So <laughs> hey, you know what? Some things are investment pieces. Okay. They sure are. That's what these sheets are. They are, yes. and they've been washed several times, and they still have the same like integrity. They are still soft. Ooh, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Okay, okay, after the show, offline, we're gonna we're gonna get the inside scoop, y'all. Okay, because okay. <laughs> I think that. Okay, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, Charlene. So we're gonna move to the sentence completion. Okay. One question or topic I wish people asked me about more often is... I wish people would ask me about what I am yearning for as an artist and as an intellectual. I also wish people would ask me more about food because I am a food person. I Yeah, I'm a person that goes to the restaurant and knows the restaurants, but I'm also like a grow the food person, the science behind food person, the history of food person. Like I, I know food pretty well. <laughs> yeah. That is so interesting because our mm-hmm. next sentence completion is right. Isn't this crazy? <laughs> it's what I'm yearning for artistically and intellectually is <laughs> look at that is <laughs> a mentor artistically I have several intellectual mentors but an artistic mentor I'm yearning for that and I'm yearning for more artistic and intellectual community that is trying to be in it for the long term like we going to do this for the next 20 years. We may come in and out. We may not be there every day, like as individuals, but we're going to be in this for the long term. And we may lose some people along the way because we know how the world works and how life works. But like, we're going to do this for a long time together and we're going to figure it out. And we will show up in the best way that we can, when we can, and not be punished because we didn't. But those who can will, and we you know, do what we can so that people can show up as the selves that they want to show up at. So that's like, I think that's what I'm yearning for, that community, long-term community and, and mentorship. I've had mentorship in so many other areas of my life, but not as an artist, as, as an adult artist. Go ahead, Donna. I, I love that. And I appreciate you putting that out there. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that now that you have spoken that out loud, mm-hmm. that 
we stay in touch and you and we see that you get that mentor that you are yearning for. Thank you. And so our final sentence completion, what I love most about myself is... These days, I'm loving that I refuse to give up. Like my insistence to keep trying, my ability to keep trying. I love that about me. Yeah, like I'm not going to just take a no at for uh, an answer for something that I want for my life. And I'm not talking about like, you know, something that depends on somebody else being vulnerable or, you know, risking putting themselves at risk, nothing like that. I'm like, oh, this is the thing that I want. Oh, it's hard to get. I'm going to try to get, I'm still going to try to do it even with all these obstacles in the way. Yeah. Amazing, amazing, amazing. All right, Charlene, that concludes the sentence completion. So get ready because we've got some photos pulled up of you and they're all so good. So I hope <laughs> I hope you choose. I don't know which one. We'll see. We'll see. What, what we want you to do is choose a number out of one and three and then we'll okay. just reveal that particular photo on screen. So feel free to choose your number and then I'll show you the photo. Two. Two. All right. This is a badass photo, y'all. Get ready. So, Charlene, <laughs> everyone will not see the video. So, if you can explain the photo first and then give us okay. some context behind the photo. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. So, this photo was taken by Sasha Matthews, who is a photographer in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And it is at the Chateau de Versailles in France. In Versailles, France. I think that's Versailles. I think it's like technically Versailles. It's like outside of Paris. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. It was very cold outside. Very, very cold. We could see our breath. And I am standing in front of the golden gates that lead into Versailles in a long dress. It's like a blue color dress. And my hair is like flowing in the wind because literally the cold wind was blowing (laughs) outside. And we were in Paris. Because Chanel and Sasha are twins. And they invited us all to go to Paris for their birthday. I think it may have been for 35. I feel like we're all the same age. So around the same age. But I can't remember the exact birthday it was for for them. But yeah, we were all there. We were there with a much, a, a very large group of Black people, mostly Black people, taking photos. It was a photo shoot <laughs> in front of Versailles <laughs> in I 2019. Yeah. I would have never guessed that it was cold outside because of the whole look, but you got the wind blowing in the hair. I mean, this is a bomb photo. They're all really (laughs) good, but thank you for sharing the context with us. We appreciate it. Yes. So at this point, we're going to hop back into some of those questions that we have for you, but we appreciate you participating in OU Platchett and being down with the challenge. (laughs) Oh, that was fun. That was fun. Glad you enjoyed it. (laughs) <laughs> and so diving back into the interview, mm-hmm. what advice would you give a person, regardless of their age or ability status, looking to begin their journey in activism? The first piece of advice I would give anyone who is like, it usually is a dive. People rarely take their time getting into the work is to be curious before reaching conclusions. Ask questions. Ask questions, not out of a space of like agitation necessarily, 
but out of like a deep place of curiosity because you want to know more. And then also figure out how you can be of service as opposed to how movement, especially at the beginning, can be of service to you. Like, how can you be of service? How can you contribute to work that began before you got there? Absolutely began before you got there. And then I think also like humility is really, really important and oftentimes hard for people to grasp onto. And I don't mean like that you should be practice humility without discernment or humility without curiosity, but humility with with compassion for yourself and other people. And then to build on the curiosity that I mentioned earlier is also a commitment to studying, like to study. Study can happen from watching films. It can happen from being in a political education study group. It can happen from reading articles or books. I am almost certain that reading is required. No matter how you read, no matter how you read, if you have the ability to access any sort of written form or audiobook, even, any sort of way to process literature, written works, however that is, it is necessary to take in literary sources of information as a part of your study. And so if audiobooks is your, are your jam, do audiobooks. If reading articles are your jam, start there. If you, if you got a book ahead of you and you need to read this book over a year, do that. Take your time. Do it with the group. Whatever that is, I think that reading is essential. So glad you pointed that out. And I really appreciate the fact that you shared, I want to say, modern ways of studying. Because I feel like mm-hmm. when we were younger, we used to be in the library. You remember opening those mm-hmm. big books in the library? You could smell the smell mm-hmm. the library sit on the books. And now it's like mm-hmm. everything is just Google, right? So I love that you you provided those other aspects there for folks. There seem to be competing priorities in the Black community. What are the things that we can focus on in our communities that can make a big impact on the collective? I think there are always competing priorities in any given community. For Black folks, I believe one of our highest priorities should be about how we're educating ourselves and everyone within our communities in ways that reinforce love for ourselves and each other collectivity over individualism, collectivity over capitalism, collectivity over patriarchy, like compassion and dignity over patriarchy, and all of patriarchy's tentacles of transphobia and homophobia, all those things, misogyny, all of those things that come from that. How are we actually practicing love with each other and for one another in ways that allows us to maintain our individual and collective dignity? And that requires like accountability that is not like reliant on punishment because that's what so many institutions around us teach us and and reiterate or reinforce for us. And I think there's always going to be competing priorities. And just because we are black doesn't mean we're going to have the same values or doesn't mean that, you know, (laughs) we are going to be anti-capitalist or we're going to be anti carceral punishment, none of that, just because you're Black. All of it is a choice. It is all a choice. When the Cumbie River Collective talked about identity politics, they were talking about politics that were informed by their specific identities as being Black, lesbian, socialist women. Like 
that's what they were thinking about. It was a set of values that were connected to their personal experiences and choices to take up a certain set of politics. And so for me, it's like, okay, we black. What's the next question? What do you believe in? And how do your actions reflect the thing that you say that you believe in? That's 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 how I like to think about. And then when then we can go from there to discern whether or not we are actually on the same page because we may not be. That is so true. That is so true. And that we because we are not a monolith, there is room for us to have different priorities with the same goal of liberation for black folks. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to shift gears a little bit. So you recently made your filmmaking debut with the film short, The Funnel. Mm -hmm. Can you tell our audience more about it and what inspired you to set the film in the 1940s? Okay, so The Funnel is a short film that follows a young Black woman who is a poet living on the south side of Chicago in, during the, in the midst of the foreclosure crisis that Black people were disproportionately hit by in two, around 2008. And then she has this deeply spiritual experience in which she connects with one of her ancestors who is also navigating a housing crisis in the 1940s. I guess I don't want to give the whole thing away, but it was inspired by Sadia Hartman's book, Wayward Lives, Beautiful Experiments, where she looks at the intimate lives of these rebellious, anarchist, young Black women in the early 20th century. And so I decided that I wanted to bring the story to Chicago. And the funnel, the title itself, comes from a Richard Wright quote, where he talks about the kitchenette building as the funnel through which our polarized lives are lived. And Sadia Hartman writes extensively about the hallway and how Black people live their intimate lives in these, in these hallways, in these tenement buildings. And so this film, our film takes place in a kitchen, a largely in a kitchenette building as well, where we look at the intimate lives of Black people. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I guess I should stop there. People can check us out on thefunnelfilm.com and they can also follow us on Instagram at The Funnel Film. We're The Funnel Film on everything. And we're screening at a number of film festivals across the country right now. Yes. So make sure you all go out and support Charlene. We have one last question for you, Charlene. And okay. we want to talk a bit about queer rights and access to affordable housing. We know that those are still issues today that impact Black Americans. Mm-hmm. Two questions here. What parallels do you see between the issues now and then or back then? And then what suggestions do you have for those who want to help out their queer family who might be facing housing instability at this time? Mm-hmm. So in the funnel, a number of the characters are black and queer and trans who live in this kitchen that building. And we don't actually state it in the film because it's like not nec- like if this is not a teaching film where we say this person is this and this person is that. And like, no, that's actually not necessary. It's like these are black folks. So they have various experiences in being black and living in these in these settings. And so for people, first of all, don't put your queer trans child or family member out the house because they're queer, they're trans. That's number one. Don't put them out and don't be OK if one of your family members put somebody out. Don't do that. It's not okay. Trans people are not your enemy. <laughs> they're not your enemy. Queer people are not your enemy. Queer and trans people, because trans people can be queer, all of that, they're not your enemy. That's 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 the first, like, start at home. And then in your community, where where what kinds of housing exist? 
is there housing for folks who have been houseless or folks who have been homeless looking for a place to live? And is it inclusive of all people, regardless of their background? Like if, if, if there are things that are going to be created, if you want to create, if you want to create some sort of housing justice project, is it really for all black folks or is it just for some people? Is it even for people who are disabled, physically disabled, who need to get in and out? Like all of those things are, don't say it is if it's not. And don't say you're going to build housing for black people if you don't actually mean all sorts of black folks. Just say who, who leave out a whole swath of black folks. Because if you know that, especially a number of black people who do not have homes are young people who are queer and trans, they don't have a place to live. And so how is your housing, like the, the project that you're building out, your housing initiative, how is it helping to meet that need for folks? You know, and then what is it just all? And, and then also who's already doing that work? There are people who have been doing that work, support their work, flank their work and ask them questions about how to do it as, a, as opposed to trying to just figure it out on your own. Excuse me. I, I think that's I think that's really important. And in the question of then and now, unfortunately, so many things are the same. In the 1940s, most black people, when they moved to Chicago, they could only live in a kitchenette building. Now, of course, we have more options of places to live in Chicago now. There are places in other parts of this country where you have to work a certain amount of hours. You have to work well over 40 hours a week in order to even afford a one bedroom apartment. And that is absolutely disproportionately impacting black folks. And so it's not enough to buy up the block. It's not enough to buy up the block. What is the housing policy in your state? What's the housing policy in your city? What is our federal housing policy? All those things. Individuals are not going to solve the problem on their own. Of course, millionaires and billionaires should be taxed. Uh, They should absolutely be taxed. Tax, 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 tax. That's one part. But your individual homie buying up the block, sure, it can help folks. But that is not the solution. Actually, our government owes us a lot more than, than, than we receive. Oh, yes, 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 yes. You better say that, all of it, because I think it's something that needs to be heard. And Charlene, I think, you know, I I just want to thank you for all of the work that you do through all of the various avenues in which you are putting things out there for folks to see and hear. Thank you. And so for folks who haven't figured out who you are yet, let's let the people know where they can find you on social media, what other projects you have in the works, where they can get your book so that they can start their reading. So let's let the people know. Okay. Well, my website is charlenecarruthers.com. I'm on Instagram, same name, Charlene Carruthers. I'm also on Twitter, not very much these days, but Charlene CAC, I'm on there. I pop in and out for sure. Usually to live tweet Married at First Sight or something like that. But I'll, I'll <laughs> retweet other things. And then I also, you, you, of course, you can purchase Unapologetic at any independent bookstore or anywhere, frankly, online. It's available in hardback, paperback. It's a hardcover pick. I don't know. All these. I told y'all the later it gets. <laughs> But you can get a hardcover or you can get a paperback. You can also get it in audio as well. And I'm actually reading it. So folks, if you want the audio version, you can do that. And then I actually just wrapped 
I directed another short film produced by Full Spectrum Features here in Chicago titled La Salida, and it's about anti-Blackness in the non-Black Latinx community. It's a narrative film, so it's about, it's actually following, it takes place in the midst of the protests after George Floyd was killed in 2020. So I just directed that film. It was, it was The story was developed by David Rojas, a community storyteller, and I directed the film. So it should be out later this year. And then, yeah, The Funnel. And we're screening at film festivals across the country. So check us out on our website and on social media. That is so amazing. Congratulations. And I just want to say to the ladies listening, make sure you go out and support. Okay. You will add all the links in the show notes. So be sure to support, support, support. And again, Charlene, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Of course. Thank you for having me. Hey, lady. It's Dr. Dom here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. Are you currently a resident of the state of California and contemplating starting your therapy journey? Well, if so, please reach out to me at drdominiquebroussard.com. That's D-R-D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E-B-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D.com to schedule a free 15-minute consultation. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for joining us today. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HerSpacePodcast, or check out our website at HerSpacePodcast.com. And before we meet again, repeat after me. I attract abundance and prosperity with ease.